Let's go east, across the country, to Pittsburgh, where the Monongahela and the Allegheny River join. That's where Pittsburgh was born 200 years ago. You're looking at what Pittsburghers call the point, the area where the rivers join to form a triangle. The Golden Triangle, they called it, squeezed between two rivers. Episode 2, Allegheny to Berrien. September 27, 1950. Janice Rupert was born in Pittsburgh, Allegheny, Pennsylvania. Auburn hair, pale skin, and freckles. Most likely, and from what I can gather, she may have grown up in what is now Uptown Pittsburgh. The address I found on Ancestry was 909 Diamond Street. It appears to have been an apartment house with a front middle and rear. Her family was listed as part of the rear of the house. The Google map now shows a very urban downtown street with high rises and parking garages. Today, with our modern conveniences and technology, we can tap our fingers on Gorilla Glass and receive the most recent color images of the areas and streets we would like to see from all over the world. We can zoom, pan, rotate and flip. This modern tech quickly answers our questions, but also creates new ones when we are reflecting on the past. Whether or not Diamond Street was where my mom spent some of her childhood, it's bittersweet to know that the street is still there and the address can still be searched. But the original neighborhood is certainly gone with the times. Is a blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. The reason I am pointing out such inconsequential details about my mom is because her early childhood is as much a mystery as is the circumstances of her death. The research into her early childhood is ongoing. Her surname, Rupert, is in doubt as biological due to recent DNA results, and the research is mostly limited to what I can uncover online through genealogy. I can then insert instinct and creative thought. Most family members are now deceased, so it would also be risky for me to express an opinion about what her early life was like. I expect a high level of accuracy from myself when telling her story in its entirety. Remember, my sister and I never got a chance to hear the stories of my mom's childhood directly from her because a monster did not allow her the opportunity to share her life with her own children. What I do know is that my biological grandmother was Retha Lou Williams Rupert. My mom had at least three siblings, possibly all half-siblings, Alan, Sandy, and Retha Jr. My mother's home life and early childhood are definitely a mystery, but we do know that she was taken in and fostered by extended family at the age of 11. 
These extended family members would become the two people my sister and I knew and loved as our grandparents. Retha, my biological grandmother, moved on with her life and ended up in Washington State, where she died in 1984. I realize all this sounds extraordinary, but I will speculate and say that it was a godsend intervention for my mother to be taken in as a foster child. The circumstances in Pittsburgh during the late 1950s and early 60s appear to have been of poverty and some family disorder. Her extended family saw her situation and knew that she deserved a loving and stable home. Also, they were childless and lived several hundred miles away where Janice could have a fresh start for her teenage years. They would move her to the Michiana region of North Central Indiana and Michigan. The hindsight into this well-intentioned decision and a speculation that I personally can't ignore is that this also set her on the collision course with a man who would become her killer. Now, indulge me in some ancestry fun. We all love it and don't deny that you don't. If celebrities can get to know their family history, why can't the rest of us be indulged, right? The short answer is, these things are uncomfortable, like, and you should be uncomfortable with them. The family history of my mom, which I will quickly cover, and how she became the impressive woman that she was, is a testament of her own good character. It is here that I will point out that one of her characteristics was on full display back in 1975. She was certainly a girl from the burbs of Pittsburgh who knew how to fight. Her left hook would cause some significant damage to a man's face whose existence should have been snuffed out by some means that I won't admit to on a podcast. My mom's extended family, who took her in as a foster child, were Ray and Joanne McCauley. Follow along, and it really isn't so complicated. It's a large lineage of laborers, farmers, truck drivers, and factory workers, all coalescing in the Pennsylvania and West Virginia regions. Here we go. James and Kizzy Williams were my mom's maternal great-grandparents who begat Archie and Desi Williams. Kizzy would remarry, likely due to the early death of James, to a John Macaulay. Somehow, Desi Williams also marries a Macaulay, Jesse Macaulay, likely a first cousin. 
Now enters Ray McCauley. Archie marries Charlotte Stanton, and they begat Retha Lou. Since Archie and Desi are brother and sister, the children from their marriages are cousins to one another. This results in Ray McCauley's mother as my mom's great aunt. This makes Ray McCauley my mom's second cousin, who was about 20 years her senior. I possess some family photos that prove this lineage and ancestry has confirmed the family ties. How awesome is that? This makes Ray McCauley my third cousin through genealogy and my grandfather through love. Although I would have rather learned more details from my mom herself, I'm happy that modern day technology can help those of us who love this shit. In Berrien County, the Macaulays eventually settled into a quaint house on Fort Street. That's Fort, with a T, in a small town called Niles, Michigan. Population approximately eight to 10,000 at the time. This house on Fort Street was full of love, support, fancy 1970s decor, and intoxicating secondhand smoke. My grandparents were smokers back in the day, extremely orderly with multiple touches of panache. And it was my first experience as a kid who lived part-time in a home that featured a sunken living area. Although it was another small house like Kensington, the Fort Street home had a totally different landscape and outdoor adventure area for my sister and I. It can be best described as simply asking the question, which state is more beautiful, Indiana or Michigan? This rivalry was alive and well as I remember, and somewhat of a fun topic to debate because Niles, Michigan is just across the state line from South Bend, Indiana. The Hoosiers and the Michiganders. It could be said that my dad is the antecedent and my mom was the subsequent. But I have to admit that the Fort Street just had a charm and sophistication I didn't experience in the Hoosier State. The large juniper bushes that hugged the Fort Street house scented sweetly in spring and summer. And it always remind me of my grandmother, Joanne McCauley, to this day. My sister and I played outdoor games underneath the large willow tree in the front yard and the backyard was basically a half acre of grass field lined in the center with a muscadine grape vine. Sweet and sour for the tasting, especially in late summer. I remember when I was little how we used to play a lot underneath the willow tree. When I would spend the night with Grandma Joanne, she would always have me eat my cereal at the breakfast bar in the small kitchen and always had at least three different choices of cereal. I also remember the time when I was out in the backyard 
and I was stung by a hornet in the back of my neck. My mom rushed over to me. She was scared. She did not know what was happening. But I just remember feeling like I had a baseball on the back of my neck for days. Butchie loves the grapes, Grandma Joanne would exclaim. Butchie was her nickname for me. I think it was her term of endearment because of my deep red hair color and thousands of freckles. Lawn darts were the toy of choice with my half-brothers as we threw them as high in the air as possible and then ran screaming so that they wouldn't dive bomb our heads. one-and-a-half garage was sometimes off-limits. Grandpa Ray would tell us that he had important tools and projects that he didn't want us to disturb. Although I knew this to be true, what I also came to find out from my grandma was that many of my mother's belongings were still being stored in the garage from 1975. I had already sneaked peeks. And in the garage was a solid wood sewing machine cabinet and a polished wood rocking chair with a caramel colored tie-on cushion. My curiosity about these two objects would always bring my grandma to tears. She would rush me out of the garage and tell me I was too young to understand. In June of 2022, I was brought to tears myself when I was allowed to read court transcripts, which mentioned my mother's sewing machine cabinet. As I read these sentences in the transcript, the words seemed to dictate loudly in my brain. Not by whole words, but by letter, by letter, and by letter. I then looked up from the page stared aimlessly at my surroundings, and I remembered who I was. On the morning of July 21st, 1975, between 8 and 9 a.m., Mrs. McCauley testified that she received a call from the defendant in which she inquired about a sewing cabinet, which she wanted from Janice Sanders. Mrs. McCauley stated that she had a brief conversation with the defendant and indicated that Janice was not at home. After not hearing from Janice the remainder of the morning, Mrs. McCauley determined that she should call the defendant at his father's farm around 2 p.m. on July 21, 1975. In that conversation, Mrs. McCauley testified that she confronted the defendant with the fact that he had seen Janice Sanders the night before but had said nothing to Mrs. McCauley in their conversation between 8 and 9 that morning. Mrs. McCauley further told the defendant that she was going to call the police. The defendant responded that he did not want to talk to Mrs. McCauley at that time and would call her later. Mrs. McCauley testified that was the last contact she had with the defendant. 
After all these years, I had been suddenly transported back to the garage on Fort Street, smelling the juniper and staring back at the sewing machine cabinet.